Thank you for tuning in to a sermon from Redemption Hill Church. I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this will lift your heart and encourage you, set your eyes more fully on Jesus as we open God's word together. You can join us anytime in person or online in our live stream. You can find that at redemptionhilldc.org. If you're not in D.C., we encourage you to get involved in a local church where you live for the sake of encouragement and accountability in a local body, but we're also glad to have you join us and, and walk through this study with us. If you'd like to support the ministries of Redemption Hill, you can do so at our website, again, redemptionhilldc.org. My name is Pastor Rich. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my honor to introduce our guest preacher, but before that, in, in honor of Pentecost Sunday, I have a pastoral plea to share with you. So if you just bear with me, I'll get to the introduction in a second. But I just wanted to let you know that I love Jesus' church. It is his body and it is his bride. And that love leads me to see the world through his word. The word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And I am fascinated by the doctrine of the incarnation and for many reasons. For one, it brings everything close. It's not a far off thing we do. For another, it changes everything because Jesus came to us, amen? amen? He came to us right where we are and he still comes to us today right where we are. And the place in Jesus' day that our sovereign God chose to enter into our experience was a place very much like the one that shapes and informs my social and cultural expression as a beloved child of a good, good father. God has helped me see beauty where others only see blight. He has helped me embody a healthy and holy social imagination. He has allowed me to get lost in dreams of what is possible if a few prayerful and obedient people courageously submit to his will and his way. In fact, I answered the call to this church because I believe I was to start living and leaning into this dream here in D.C. So what I want to do today as a pastor of ministry and outreach is to invite you to dream with me. I want to invite you to see the world through his word. That's why I was so excited for the Roots and Fruits series. We get to not only listen to God's word, but we also get to be challenged by God's words towards an active, prayerful, and obedient response to the proclaimed and preached gospel. Now, this church's greatest desire is for you to be refreshed and to find encouragement in God's word. There is no room for words that hurt, confuse, and shame those whom the Lord came to dwell amongst. Our hope during the summer is to challenge, yes, but it is never to offend because that's not the gospel. The gospel, in fact, frees us from trying to be free. That's Galatians 5.1. It affirms dignity and God's intentional purpose in making you who you are. That's Psalm 139.14. So together, let's dream about what is possible when a small church on Capitol Hill is prayerfully and obediently submitting to God's will and way. Amen? Amen? With that said, I want to introduce Andrew Elder, our preacher for today. He serves as the pastor of Village Church South Belfast, which was planted out of Village Church East Belfast. Redemption Hill has been a partner in the work of Belfast for more than a decade. Actually, from the beginning of their church and ours, there has been a relationship across this great sea of water, and that's a beautiful thing. That's kingdom. Pastor Andrew has a heart for people and a passion to reach the lost, and today he's going to be preaching on the topic of multiplication for mission. Redemption Hill, please welcome Pastor Andrew Elder.
Good morning, church. Uh, it's good to be here. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. If you can't understand my accent, just maybe uh, have someone, I don't know, maybe Rich can uh, translate or something, I'm not sure. Um, Matthew chapter 28, that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to camp out there for the next little while. It's really good to be here. I, I was last here in 2019 um, when the world was so different, wasn't it? The world was so different. Um, the world has changed. My church has changed. Your church has changed. But God's word never changes. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read verses 16 to 20. And then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive in and see what Jesus has sent to us this morning. This is what God has sent to us through his word. Matthew 28, 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance for your family to be together this morning. We thank you that your kingdom, as Pastor Rich reminded us, transcends borders and oceans. We thank you that your kingdom is a global affair. Um, Father, I thank you that uh, it's good to be among brothers and sisters. Holy Spirit, speak to us now. Make us aware of your presence. Illuminate your word to our hearts that we might be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. And we ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen. I don't know if you've ever uh, traveled and had to leave a young family behind. Um, that's my experience right now. Um, and anytime I go on a trip and leave my family behind, there's always some instructions to give, okay? My kids had instructions for me. They wanted me to make sure that I bring them presents when I come home. So I don't even think if they, they care if I come home, they just want presents. Um, but I had some instructions for them too. I said, uh, you got to be good for mom. You got to brush your teeth. Uh, Finley's a little bit older, so he has to uh, help clear the dishwasher, that kind of stuff. And then I even left some instructions for my wife. One key one was where the, where the spare car key is, because I don't want to say this uh, in a disparaging way, but she has a habit of losing keys. So here's where the spare key is, honey, okay? Don't forget, um, the recycling goes out on Thursday. I even had instructions for her to ship off a, a package of something I sold on eBay, but no matter the, the details, leaving instructions is a fairly normal thing to do when, when someone goes on a trip. And this passage that we just read from Matthew's Gospel is his account of, of Jesus giving his final instructions to his disciples after his death and, death and resurrection before he ascends to the right hand of the Father in heaven. So he has gathered the eleven. You might know that uh, Judas Iscariot betrayed him before his death and he's no longer there. He has taken his own life. And so he gathers the 11 disciples on this mountain in Galilee. And this speech that he gives them is known as the Great Commission. It's a commissioning. Just like uh, you guys, your church commissioned you CG leaders this morning. This is a commissioning that Jesus gives to his disciples. Now here's the key thing to, to remember. We need to recognize this before we even start. These words are not just for a group of 11 disciples 2,000 years ago. And here's why. 
These words from Jesus are for all disciples. So if you are a Christian today, if you are in Christ, if you are following Jesus, then these words are for you. These words are for me. These words are for the church. Biblical history and church history shows us that the Great Commission was initially given to the eleven. Yeah, for sure. But then as they went and made disciples, those new disciples went and made more disciples. And then those disciples went and made more disciples until we get to 2022 in Capitol Hill in D.C. A key part of these words in Jesus' instruction in, in, in verse 20 that we'll see later on is the instruction to teach these new disciples all that he has taught them, all he has commanded. In other words, you can't make disciples without teaching them to make disciples. The Great Commission began with the 11 disciples in Galilee and then spread like a chain reaction across the world and across history, and it comes to us here today. This means that this commission of Jesus is for all of us who call him Lord. If we are following him, we cannot ignore this calling. So this leads us to a question. A question that we must all ask ourselves as individuals and as churches. This church and you as individuals must ask this question of yourselves. What will I do with the call of Jesus? What am I going to do with the call of Jesus? And even as I ask this question, maybe you're filled with dread. You're like, oh no, this is going to be one of those sermons. Or or maybe you're filled with fear because you you think you know what's coming. Or maybe these words are so familiar to you after years in church that they've lost all kind of force. But I believe that these words are a source of motivation and a source of joy and a source of comfort. I believe that there is hope to be found in these words. They're from Jesus. And he loves us so much that he died for us. I believe that these words bring clarity. That's clarity. I don't know how you say that in American. Clarity and comfort. I'm not going to do that anymore, I promise. That's what I, want us to be, that's what I want us to receive today. I want us to receive clarity from who we are as followers of Jesus and comfort from him who loves us so much and has graced us with the presence of his Holy Spirit. So here's what I want us to see today. I want us to see that the mission of the church is ever-expanding. And it centers around the authority, the commands, and the presence of Jesus. Let me say that one more time. The mission of the church is ever-expanding and centers around the authority, the commands, and the presence of Jesus. In his final words on earth, Jesus is, is handing over the keys of his kingdom advancement to his church, to his followers. The church has been given a task by her Savior, the task of of being on mission, the task of making more disciples. And the church, that's you, if you're you're part of this church, you, you are part of God's primary tool for advancing his kingdom across the world. So let's start with the first part of what Jesus says. Keep your Bible open and, and look with me again at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What do we see here? We see that the authority of Jesus is the basis for our mission. The authority of Jesus is the basis for our mission. Now notice that Jesus doesn't start with instructions of what the church should do. He starts with himself. The first thing Jesus does as he sends out his church on mission 
to preach the gospel and make disciples is to remind us of his authority. You see, it, it all starts with Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no mission. Without Jesus, there is no church. Now, I know that um, you all like sports in this country and you all like football, but in Europe, we have real football where you, know, you actually kick a ball now and again. Um, and, and one of the most successful soccer coaches ever in the game is a Portuguese guy called Jose Mourinho. Uh, maybe you're familiar with that name, maybe not. Um, but it's well known that when Jose takes, over, takes charge of a new team, the first thing that he does uh, is to stand in front of the team and tell them of all his previous success, successes. He says, look what I've won, and this is what you can do. He doesn't start by giving them instructions on how to play better or implement new tactics. He doesn't even start by trying to build relationships within the team. The first thing he does is starts by reminding them that he is worthy to lead them and instruct them because of what he has done. And so it is with Jesus. Jesus starts with why he is the only one who is qualified to lead us and instruct us. Because all authority in heaven and on earth is his. His authority is is based on more than winning a few soccer trophies. His authority is given to him by Almighty God. His success is more than a proven track record in a sport. Jesus has died for our sin. He has triumphed over guilt and condemnation. He has been raised from the dead. And he's proven that he is victorious over suffering and death. And because of this, Philippians 2 verses 9 to 11 tells us that God has highly exalted Jesus and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And before we even try to step out on mission, we need to recognize that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. Not just some authority, not just a kind of authority, not just earthly authority. I don't know um, what you think of when you think of authority. I, um, I, like, I love this city. I get excited every time I come to D.C. Uh, but this city is designed, I think, uh, as to be a constant reminder of the authority of the American government and the American system. When I think of authority, I think of a a high school teacher I had, and he was old and he was stern. His name is Mr. Carmichael. Um, He had eyes in the back of his head, do you know what I mean? Like you'd be messing around in the back of the classroom, you'd turn around and throw a piece of chalk at you or something. He was that kind of guy. He scared me. If Darth Vader was a teacher, it would be him. But no matter what kind of authority you can imagine, nothing, nothing compares to the authority of Jesus Christ. No one can make this claim about themselves, only Jesus. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He has authority over the entire universe. Listen, there is not one sphere of reality, not one realm of existence that Jesus does not have absolute authority over. He has authority in heaven, the spiritual realm. He has authority over the angels and the demons, over good and all evil. He has authority on earth, in the natural realm, over the galaxies and stars, black holes and planets. He has authority over storms and and oceans and mountains and rivers. He has authority over all governments and kingdoms and superpowers and armies. From the largest blue whale to the smallest bacteria to the breath in your lungs right now, Jesus is Lord. And as we consider who we are, 
on what we should do as a church. We must consider first who he is and what he has done for us. In our, if our efforts on mission are based uh, on looking inwards, we will fail. If we try to fuel our mission by looking inwards, we won't last. We must start with Jesus. All the authority of the Almighty is mediated through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow before him. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so the question, the question for us, believers and non-believers, maybe you're here and you're not yet a Christian. The question is not whether Jesus is Lord. The question is, do we recognize him as Lord? You see, he's, he's not Lord because we call him Lord. We call him Lord because he is Lord. And this is the basis of our mission. His authority means that his will will be accomplished, right? What he says is going to be done because of his authority. There's a prophecy in Habakkuk chapter 2. I know you're all familiar with Habakkuk because everyone loves that book of the Bible. Uh, This prophecy has become really dear to me and it has become my sustenance and my motivation for planting a church in Belfast in the north of Ireland. And I'm going to read it to you. This is what it says. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let me say that again. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And if God says it, it will happen. Amen? Amen. So we can step out on mission. Because we're not trying to start something new, right? We're not trying to get something off the ground. We're not even taking a risk. Stepping out on mission is not a risk because God is already doing this and he says it will happen. It will be fulfilled. It will be accomplished. Now before we move on to look at the commands of Jesus, I want us to notice the first two words of verse 19. Okay? Jesus talking about his authority. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, he says, go therefore, go therefore. You see, Jesus is saying, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. And because of that, you need to go. It's because of Jesus' authority that we step out on mission, right? It's because he is Lord. You see, what Jesus is commanding us to do is to continue the expansion of his kingdom and his reign that God has established in him. This is God's eternal plan. The the, the Bible is bookended by Genesis and Revelation. And in Genesis, we we see God starting his, his work of establishing his kingdom through the creation of his people. And in Revelation, we see the completion of that work as, as God's garden, city, temple covers the whole earth and his people dwell in perfect union with him in his presence. And as we as individuals reach our friends and families and neighbors with the gospel, or as we as churches plant more churches and more churches, we're not doing something new. We are joining God in what he has been doing since the beginning of time. God's mission is not something that that we invent. It's not a political movement. It's not a religious movement. It's not a philosophical movement. It's God's eternal plan for this world. And the amazing thing is that because of his universal authority, we get to go in confidence. We can be inspired 
to speak to our friends and neighbors about the love of Jesus, about their need of a savior. We go in the sheer confidence that Jesus is sovereign over all that we do. He is building his church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. We saw that already this morning. We've celebrated this with, with, with a new community group being formed. I love, I'm glad I got to be here for that. Jesus is building his church. The authority of Jesus is the basis of our mission. And so we have nothing to fear. Now have a look at verse 19 and the start of verse 20 with me. Keep your Bible open. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. In these verses, these commands are for his followers, for, for me and for you. And here's what we see. We see that the commands of Jesus instruct our mission. So if the authority of Jesus is the basis of our mission, the commands of Jesus tell us how to do mission. They tell us what to do. Now there's two commands given here. It's really one command, but I've, I've broken it down into two sections to hopefully make it clearer for us. We are commanded to go and we are commanded to make disciples. And then Jesus expands on how we make disciples, and that's by baptizing them and teaching them. But let's look at this first one, go. Based on what we've just learned about the authority of Jesus, we cannot get around this, right? If Jesus has all authority, then we can't decide not to obey him. None of us are off the hook. Now, of course, we wish that the word go was just for the missionaries, right? <laughs> we wish it was for the missionaries. We wish it was just for those who are called to leave their home and move overseas and plant churches. But the truth is that because of the authority of Jesus, all of us are called to go. We are all called to go. There's no getting around it. And here's the thing. The, the pandemic of the past two years, I think, has trained us to stop looking outwards and start looking inwards. I think we've forgotten how to look outward to our lost friends and neighbors. I think in the past couple of years, it has become easier to not go in the interests of keeping ourselves safe or in the interests of looking after one another. And those things are important. We as the body of Christ must look after each other. We must care for one another. But I think that we've all felt that it's been easier to look inward than to look outward. But listen, church, the Christian faith is a missionary faith. We are both saved and we are sent. Something I say to my church all the time is that if you're a Christian, you are a missionary. If you're a Christian, you're a missionary. There, there, there's no such thing as, as full-time missions and part-time missions. <laughs> If you're a Christian, you're a missionary church. We are called by our Lord and Master to go. This is why our mission is always multiplying. This is why the church is always growing. This is why your church, just like mine, is committed to planting more churches. It's why your community groups grow and multiply. Because we are called to go. The mission of the church is ever expanding. Because the, the gospel of Jesus is for every person in the entire world. Now, this doesn't mean that all people everywhere will accept Jesus in this life. 
But it does mean that Jesus has the right to be worshipped by every single person that has ever lived and ever will live. Can I say that again? Let, let, let that sink in for a second. Jesus has the right to be worshipped by every single person who has ever lived and ever, and ever will live. Now think about this for a second. Why are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? I'm going to pause because it's dry in here. You are a Christian because at some point in your life, somebody shared the gospel with you. Now, whether that was a parent, praise God for, for Christian godly parents. That's how I heard the gospel, because my mommy and daddy took me to church. But at one point in your life, you didn't know of your need of a savior, and then someone told you, and, and you believed. That's how God has ordained that people come to be saved, that, that the gospel is, is, is shared, the gospel is heard, and then the truth of the gospel is believed. So, so we must do as Jesus says. We must go. People need to hear the gospel. I've been really challenged by Romans chapter 10, verse 14 recently, just as I think about um, the call and, and, the, and the push to be on mission. This is what Romans 10, 14, the Apostle Paul tells us. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? In other words, people aren't going to believe in Jesus if they don't know about Jesus. So we need to tell them, right? I don't know what it was like here in the media um, during the pandemic. But I know that America is a really sensible country, so I'm sure it was all very balanced and <laughs> calm and... But, but when, back home, when, when the vaccines started to be rolled out, there was a huge push in the media. The government were pushing everyone to be vaccinated. Now, I'm really, really, really not here to get into a debate about vaccines or anything like that. But what I am saying is that if you are sick, generally, you want to get treated for that. So if you have cancer, you want to go to your doctor and get treated. If you have an infection, you take antibiotics. If you're sick, you take the medicine. Now, the world is sick with an illness far worse than any cancer or any pandemic. And we have the medicine. We have the cure for the biggest killer in history. Disease kills the body, but dying in sin kills eternally. And the good news is that we have the cure. We have the privilege of carrying the medicine to a sick and dying world. Amen? Amen. So let's go. Let's get out there. Now, for some of you, going will mean moving across the world. For some of you, it will mean giving up a job uh, or a career or, or, or deciding to plant a church. And, and if that is how God is leading you, or you think that's how God is leading you, can I encourage you to come and speak to one of your pastors? Speak to Pastor Rich or speak to Pastor Eric. Don't speak to Pastor Bill because he needs to rest right now, okay? We're going to protect him, all right? Even speak to me afterwards. I'd love to uh, encourage anybody in the church plan. But for the, the vast majority of us, going won't involve moving to a new country, a new state, a new county, or even a new city. For most of us, going is simply going into the world as we go about our daily lives and taking the gospel with us. That's what we do. We go about our daily lives and we take the gospel with us. It's when you go to the office and are among non-believers. It's taking Jesus with you when you go for a drink after work 
or when you grab a coffee with your friends. It's speaking the gospel when you hang out with your neighbors and pick your kids up from school. Talking about Jesus with non-Christian and living lives consistent with his teaching should be the most normal thing in the world for Christians. This should be normal. Now listen, maybe this scares you. Maybe it makes you nervous. Maybe you think, I, I, don't, I don't really know what to say or I'm not very confident. Well, let me give you four practical tips that I think can really make it simple. Four things that I really, uh, that I, I think can really help us. Number one, we need to pray. We need to talk to God about the people in your life that you want to know Jesus. Since we planted our church uh, almost four years ago now, we have a practice that every time we gather to pray, we pray by name for the people in our lives that we want to meet Jesus. And listen, I guarantee you that if you talk to God about these people, it will become so much easier to talk to these people about God. We go in his power because we bring these people to him in prayer. Number two, the second tip, do ordinary things with gospel intentionality. Ordinary things. This is simply taking Jesus with us wherever we go. If you like a sport, then go play your sport with people who don't know Jesus. Take every opportunity to put yourself among non-believers and do it with intentionality. Listen, in, this, in the West, in the Western world, and especially in the post-pandemic Western world, I think there is nothing more powerful than ordinary Christians doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. I think this is how, this is how the West is going to be won again for Jesus. Number three, speak the gospel. This is vital. As we get to know people through work or, or our social lives or, or even just in our families, we must share the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People must hear if they are to believe. And don't be scared. Remember that you go with the authority of Christ, that he's already at work in the world. Isn't that amazing? I recently heard a preacher say, speak and don't be scared. And if you are scared, speak anyway. I think that's good advice. That's good advice for me. Speak and don't be scared. And if you are scared, speak anyway. Number four, invite people into your community. In the world that we now live in, there is no more powerful apologetic for the gospel than the community of believers. When people experience the love that, that you guys have for one another in your, in your community groups, when people experience that, what they are actually experiencing is not your love, they're experiencing the love of Christ because the love that you have for one another comes from Him. So when people experience the love of Christian community, they actually experience the love of Jesus. Do you see how powerful this is? It's incredibly powerful. Let me tell you a quick story. Um, around the time of the start of our church, there was a, a young man, and he was in his early 20s, and he started coming along on Sundays. And I didn't know this, but he started coming because he was into a girl who was coming to our church, okay? Um, and he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a believer. He had never grown up in church. But he started experiencing Christian community. And he started to notice that, that we actually do love one another. He started to notice that, that we didn't talk about each other behind each other's backs. That, that we cared for one another. 
that we sacrifice things in our lives for one another. And eventually, the truth of what he was hearing preached on a Sunday began to match up with what he was experiencing as he spent time with the community. And a lot of the time, this was just playing pool or going to the pub or having a coffee or playing football, soccer. Now, here's where Dan is right now. He since married the girl, praise God. I got to marry them last year. He saved. I got to baptize him. And him and his wife are now leading a community group in our church. You see what happens when we simply love one another and speak the gospel? I share that story to encourage you. It really does work. God really does respond in grace when we obey his command to go. We can be encouraged by this. I don't know how long I've been speaking because I think I'm fine. Somebody tell me to stop if I need to stop, okay? Now, the second part of this command is to make disciples, okay? We got to notice that he doesn't say, go and make non-Christian friends. He doesn't say, you know, go and make converts. Those things are really important. But our chief calling is to make disciples, lifelong wholehearted followers of Jesus, Christians who are fully committed to the cause of Christ in the world, people who are all in for Jesus. Now, this is more than asking someone to make a profession of faith. It's more than uh, asking someone to say a sinner's prayer or, or maybe raise their hand during an altar call. You see, a disciple is a follower learner. That's what we all are with Jesus. He is our master, and we follow him and learn from him. This is the life we are called to, and it's what Jesus wants us to call others into. And Jesus says it involves two things. It involves baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all his commands. We can sum these two things up um, simply. This is about bringing them into the church. New Christians need to be brought into the church. And so we don't just lead someone to Jesus and then get them baptized and leave them to it. No, we disciple them. We show them with our own lives what it means to follow Jesus, right? We let them see into our daily lives what we're like at home, what we're like in church, what we're like when we're in our social lives. And again, please notice that this command isn't just for the pastors. It's not just for the the women's worker or the community group leaders. It's for all disciples of Jesus. We are all called to make disciples. So if you're a Christian, let me ask you this. Who are you discipling? Who in your life is looking to you to see how to follow Jesus? Because if we are obeying Jesus, we will be making disciples. Just like none of us are exempt from the call to go, none of us are exempt from the call to make disciples. All disciples of Jesus are called by Jesus to make others what they are in Jesus. In other words, all disciples are disciple makers. All disciples are disciple makers. We can't live our Christian lives in this kind of arrested development, never maturing. We can't wait until uh, we're made a leader in the church before we start discipling others. All Christians are to be discipling others. This is what happens We become disciples, then we make other disciples. And so the church grows and grows and grows. Listen, trying to be a disciple of Jesus and not making disciples is like trying to be a fish and not swimming. It it just doesn't make sense. You can't do it. Fish, by necessity of what they are, have to swim. Disciples 
of Jesus, by necessity of what they are, have to make disciples. This is the call on, on, on every one of us. This ever-expanding mission of God is centered around the authority of Jesus and the commands of Jesus. And if we, say, if we say we love Jesus, then we will obey his commands, right? In fact, Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. In other words, if you don't keep his commands, we've got to ask ourselves, do we really love Jesus? Maybe that's shocking for you to hear this morning. You're a good Christian. You come to church. You tithe. You take communion. You're part of a community group. But Jesus says, if you don't keep his commandments, do you really love me? You see, the Christian life isn't about having a really good church attendance rate or giving lots of your income or showing up at church picnics or even going on missional events or anything like that. The Christian life is about being sold out for Jesus, going where he leads us by his spirit and making disciples. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing more worthy of pursuit in this world than that. Nothing that you can do will have an eternal significance like making disciples. One more word about the commands of Jesus before I, I want to move on to my final point this morning. If you look at verse 19, you will see that Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations. Now the word that, that Jesus uses here for nations it is in the original language, the word for Gentiles. Okay, Remember, Jesus is, is a Jewish man. His 11 disciples here are Jewish guys. And he says, go and make disciples of all Gentiles. Now, the significance of Jesus commanding a group of Jewish guys to go to all Gentiles should not be lost on us. Because this assumes that they will cross cultural, social, and racial boundaries for the fulfillment of God's mission. To put it simply, fulfilling the great commission of Jesus will mean that we go to people who are not like us. And sometimes to people that we don't like. So the question is, what cultural and social and racial barriers do you need to cross for Jesus? What does that look like in your daily life? You know, where I come from, and I don't want to open a can of worms, where I come from, people hate each other not because of the color of their skin, but because of the church they go to or because of their political affiliation. In my country, white people hate white people. You may not have that problem as much here, although I think it's coming. But it's the same hate. It's the same sin. And the command is the same. What boundaries are you going to cross to reach people with the gospel? There is not one people group, not one ethnic group, not one nationality or race in the world that does not owe the Lord Jesus their worship. The call on us is to go to all people, regardless of who they are, regardless of what God they worship, or the color of their skin. This is Jesus' vision for his mission. And we get this glimpse of the fulfillment of God's mission in Revelation chapter 7. Listen to this. This is God in his grace gives the apostle John a glimpse, a vision of the future, right? And we get to, we get to see this too through his recorded words. John says, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, 
tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. You see, church, this is the fulfillment of God's mission. This is the fulfillment of what God is doing on earth. The future is secure. God's mission will be complete. And it involves people from every kind of uh, diversity, every kind of nationality, every kind of race, every kind of language. It involves people from every people group in the world standing before the throne and before the Lamb, giving glory to His name. And that's what we get to be part of, church. We get to do this. There are around... 192 geopolitical countries in the world, okay? So about 200. Within that, there are about 650 recognized ethnicities in the world. And within that, there are 7,100 recognized languages in the world. Can you imagine how amazing heaven's going to be? 7,000 languages giving glory to Jesus. Thousands upon thousands of people groups and all of them need to hear the gospel. And many of them live in our streets. Many of them live in our neighborhoods and go to work with us and go to school with us. So here's the question. Here's, my, here's Jesus' challenge to us this morning. Will we go? Will we go? Regardless of your views on immigration, we can't deny that the, the modern movement of people across the world provides us with an incredible gospel opportunity because people of all nations are coming to where we live. Even in my wee corner of my wee island in the middle of the ocean, people from all nations are coming to where where I live too. We have an incredible opportunity to share the gospel, to make disciples. The Christian life is summed up in this, to follow Jesus, to obey his commands and make disciples. So the authority of Jesus is is our basis for mission. The commands of Jesus instructs our mission. But the last thing I want to bring us to this morning is the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus comforts us on mission. Jesus finishes his commission with an incredible promise. The last part of verse 20, Jesus says this, And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. That means to the end of the world until he comes again. This is an amazing, outstanding claim. (laughs) I always find it kind of ironic that Jesus is saying these things as he's standing on top of a mountain about to actually leave them. So how can this be? When I was coming on this trip, I couldn't make a promise like this to my kids because I'm not going to be with them for the next week or so. The best I can offer them is, is FaceTime before they go to bed every night, right? That's about all I can do. But Jesus has promised to be with us until the very end of the world. This is our comfort. We are never alone, church. We are never alone. As we follow him and as we make disciples, we don't do so on our own. Jesus is with us and he will be with us to the end of the world. So how can this be? How can Jesus be with us if he's saying these things as he leaves. Matthew's gospel is a wonderful book and it begins with the promise of God with us. The virgin shall conceive and bear a child and his name shall be what? Emmanuel, God with us. And and the book ends with Jesus' words himself saying, behold, I am with you. 
Jesus is with us. You see, this is the supreme comfort of the Christian life. We are not alone. Jesus both holds us in the palm of his hand and walks among us. He is ever present. Remember our soccer coach from earlier on? All he can do, really, ever watch Ted Lasso? Right, Ted Lasso, okay, we got that too. That's fun. That's a fun show. Okay, I'll talk about Ted Lasso rather than Jose Mourinho because you might get that one. Um, Ted Lasso, all he can do is train his, his team how to play the game and instruct them on the training pitch. But when the game starts, he can't be involved. He has to stand on the sideline and just watch. But not so with Jesus. Jesus doesn't stand on the sideline. He is in the game with us. And you see, even though Jesus is no longer physically present with us, he has given us what, Devin? The Holy Spirit. That's what we talked about all morning. That's what Pentecost Sunday is. The Holy Spirit is with us. If, if you're a Christian this morning, did you know the Holy Spirit lives in you? God has made his people the home of his spirit. We are his temple. His presence literally dwells within us. Isn't this incredible? He's not only with us, he is in us. And he works through us. In times of trouble and in times of rejoicing, we can be fully confident that Jesus is with us, that he hears our prayers, that he answers our prayers, and that he is placing us exactly where he wants us to be for our own good and for his glory. Now, I don't know most of you personally. I don't know the, the trouble that you have going on in your life. I don't know the... The, the ups and downs that you've been through this week. But here's what I do know. God has not forsaken you. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Let me say that again. God has not forsaken you, church. You are not alone. As you walk through the valley of depression, Jesus is with you. As you are crippled by anxiety, Jesus is with you. As you carry a burden of grief, Jesus is with you. As you suffer the pain and uncertainty of illness, Jesus is with you. As you lie awake at night and worry about money, Jesus is with you. And as you open your mouth with trepidation and dare to speak to someone about the gospel, Jesus is with you. He is here. He is present. Brothers and sisters, I want to leave you with this thought. God does not abandon those he has ransomed. You are not God forsaken. He will never abandon you. Isn't that comforting? Isn't this amazing that we, that we can step out in faith, that we can go about our lives, that we can take Jesus with us, that we can go and make disciples knowing that he is with us and he will never abandon us. What he has begun in you, he will continue in you and he will complete in you, right? So I, I want to encourage us all this morning. Maybe we can recommit to obeying the commands of Jesus. To commit to going to our friends and our neighbors and our colleagues and sharing the gospel. Daring to open our mouths and speak the truth of what God has done in our lives. The truth of what we hold to be true. And as we do so, we can know with 100% certainty that Jesus is with us. Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. And, and maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've come with a friend just to kind of see what Christianity is all about. Or maybe you just walked down off the street. If that's so, I'm so glad you're here. 
This comfort that Jesus is always with us can be yours too. That's, that's our invitation to you this morning. Why not put your trust in Jesus and receive the comfort of never being alone again? Now listen, church. I already said this is what I finished with. This is what I'm actually going to finish with. I think this is important. We go to others because God came to us. We go to others because, because God came to us. This is the gospel, right? God the Father sent His only Son to live as one of us with flesh and bones so that He might not only live as one of us, but that He might die as one of us and pay the penalty for our sin and make us right with God. And not only that, He rose from the dead as one of us in flesh and blood to, so, so that we might share in His victory over death and suffering. And He has ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven where He reigns forever. And in doing so, he has guaranteed that where he is, we will also be. This is the gospel. We go because of the gospel. The gospel is our motivation. And the gospel is our message. We go because he came to us. So may we be empowered by the presence of his spirit to go. We, we receive when we come together. And then we go into the world and take what we've received. May we be empowered by His Holy Spirit as we, on this Pentecost day, the Holy Spirit is present in this room. He's working in our hearts. He's working in our lives. There are people in your lives that need to hear the gospel. So may we be empowered to go knowing that we are never alone. That's the comfort. Come Holy Spirit, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that it is true. We want to thank you that it's alive. We want to thank you that it is active. We want to thank you that it is working in the hearts of the people who are hearing my voice this morning. Lord Jesus, we do not want to ignore your commands. We do not want to ignore your authority. And we do not want to ignore your presence. Comfort those of us who need comforted this morning. Encourage and motivate those of us who need encouragement and motivation. Remind us all of your authority, Lord. Father, may your kingdom come in Washington, D.C. as it is in heaven. For the glory of Jesus, and may many, through the work of this church and the faithful disciples here, be raised from death to life in Christ for his glory. In his name we pray. Amen.